Hello, and welcome to Two Beards, One Comic. Hello? Hello. Oh. I didn't hear you talk. I thought you were like, I was like, did it get disconnected? No, I think it was just, um, there was a delay. Oh, fair enough. So how's it going? Not bad. Yourself? Not too bad. You ready for this Bizarro episode? Yes, the Bizarro episode. (laughs) Where we do things things the opposite. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. On this this week's issue of uh, Two Beards, One Comic, you'll be leading. I'll be leading and I'll be talking about Batman and you'll be talking about something else. Yeah, something from an independent uh, yeah. publisher. Yeah, how not... weird, how how it's bizarro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, we are on issue nine. Yep, issue nine. Yeah, I was so... thinking too. I was like, because I was talking to uh, my partner, I'm talking to Kate about it, and I was thinking, wouldn't it be funny if if we even talked like Bizarro, like me am me am oh. staying silent about Batman. Colton, um, talking wake. Yeah, but everything's backwards, right? Everything's backwards. backwards. Your day is not good. It's bad. Yeah, I have a bad day. A bad day. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, one we won't be doing figure, that. I'm still like I still really want to get, and I still look for at Comic Cons. Is is this really cool, bizarro Batman action figure? Or oh, is it the um? The ones designed by Eric Powell. Um, yeah, very yeah. blocky looking. His Batman logo is upside down. Upside down, yeah, yeah. He yeah. has no eyes. Oh wait, no, that's the uh, no, that's the um, uh, oh, shoot. He did the Superman Batman series. Yeah, it's like very ah. cartoonish looking. Batman's jaw ah. is very square. Shoot, his, I can't his... remember the name of that artist. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. He did. You're he did all, all the um, like. The, whenever I think of the iconic um, line of action figures, he did most of the art for shit. Yeah, I'd have to look it up, but I, I know who you're talking about. I'm pretty sure. It's yeah, you know what I'm talking about. It's yeah. it's funny too because I think he's also the person who wrote that story is the same guy that wrote the story I'm going to talk about. Mm, yes. I'm pretty sure. Well, I'm, Pretty sure Jeff Loeb wrote the, uh, the Bizarro um, story. Oh, okay, yeah. Makes sense. We'll have to we'll have to Google it. Yeah. Once I get a laptop, I'm gonna have to start having like dual screens filming this podcast so I can do stuff like that. Dual screens, yeah. Yeah. So um, I think uh, while well, you're leading, so uh, I'll let you. Uh, take it away take the lead yeah well do we want to do an intro or have Uh, we already done that yeah like well like i said i when i do my editing i have that pre-recorded like one but you can do the welcome to all that stuff okay cool well folks uh welcome to episode nine of two beards one comic and we're doing a bizarro episode. Normally, it would be Colton doing the intro, but today I'm doing the intro. And the bizarro doesn't stop there because this is also the episode where about a Batman story, and Colton's going to be talking about something else. Yeah, and then, which is rare. It's not even DC. It's an independent uh, publisher, it's, Vertigo. It's, well, Vertigo is part of DC. So. Yes, but. But it's totally not related yeah, yeah. to Superman or Batman. Yeah. Like a sub- yeah, and, yeah. And I'm going to be talking about Batman. Mm-hmm. One, probably one of my favorite Batman stories, though. Now that I'm like started rereading it, it is, I'm thinking, I'm like, oh my God, this was such a great story. I wish I didn't understand it when I was a kid. But now that I'm reading it again, I'm like, holy crap, this is an awesome story. The yeah. story I'm talking about is uh, Batman the Long Halloween which was uh, written by Jeff Loeb and drawn by Tim Sale. It wasn't their first project together, which I used to think it was. Uh, 
there was actually three, I think, Legends of the Dark Knight specials. Um, Legends of the Dark Knight? There's yeah. three specials that were based on it before. And it kind of like uh, Archie Goodwin, who's the, I think, the editor of DC at the time. Actually, no, he maybe he wasn't. You know, he passed away not long after release. But anyway, uh, he was like, you guys should do like a, a bigger story. So that's that's how they started writing the long Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually just looking up because Cole and I were talking earlier about um, Jeff Loeb and we were talking about Bizarro and how he, uh, you were saying that you, there's an action figure of Batman Bizarro that you're talking about and it's got the bat upside down. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure, um, I'm pretty sure that, that the writer of that was Jeff Loeb. Yeah, like so I believe it, it sounds familiar. So I believe, so like I said, we'll have to look into it and we'll let a, Oh, um, followers know next time we do this podcast. I feel like this episode, this issue is going to have a lot of uh, connecting dots between a lot of our favorite comics and stuff. You know, because the thing you're talking about, you know, art by Tim Sale. Tim Sale is one of my favorite artists. He does amazing cover art too for DC. Um, so I got some stuff to to segue off of that as well and yeah so yeah it should be a good issue it was jeff Loeb. yeah it was, he wrote the one that, yeah yeah yep cool anywho i'll just click that off for now um yeah so i'll get into it i'm talking about batman the long halloween um like i said written by jeff Loeb, art by tim sale uh it was probably their their not their first um collaborative work but probably i would say they're most famous um i think for me i'm just i'm rereading it and i haven't read it in years but i forgot that it's it's sort of and it's actually mentioned in the wikipedia about this but it's essentially a sequel to frank miller and dave mazzicelli's uh year one it yeah. takes place like batman's established now like he like the crime families are terrified of him and like he's starting to really sort of build cases against these these people who have gone without you know gone um they've been above the law and they've been getting away with like essentially murder and among other crimes he's starting to actually build cases against them and, and jim gordon commissioner gordon and harvey dent are all trying to like work together to like bring him down and the, and this particular story the long halloween is really like um it's the perfect transition. It's a transition story between like the year one of Batman versus the mob. And then this is the story that like you get to sort of see it's not the mob so much. He's kind of like the mob's getting wrapped up and now it's like the psycho. Yeah. It's uh, one of the, yeah. It's one of those comics that um, I've always like, yeah, it's one of my favorites and it, yeah, definitely. Uh, connects the two worlds because this comic is really the one that sets up um, the heroes going from just like goons and thugs to actual like yeah. supervillains. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's weird too because like the supervillains are still there. Like there's a part in the in the story where Batman goes to I, I'm assuming it's Arkham Asylum and like jim gordon actually makes the comment of like you know when this place first started there was only like a handful of these people here and now ever since you started there's like so many people here and it's almost like jim's like i appreciate what you're doing but he kind of makes this like correlation between batman coming to gotham and this uprise in psychos with these weird abilities and stuff and powers and motives mm-hmm. and whatever so he's kind of like saying like like you're, you as the reader, you're kind of reading it. And you're going, is it Batman's fault that like people like the Joker and the Riddler and Poison Ivy all exist in this t- city now? Like they weren't here before. It was just the mob, and we hated the mob, but now it seems like almost worse because, like, you got Joker flying around trying to like gas everyone to death, and you know, and you got like um, there's a really cool. Poison Ivy, yeah, and you got, like, there's a cool scene, too, where Batman interact, like, he kind of, like, has to fight Solomon Grundy, and I didn't, I didn't know this, I always thought, like, Solomon Grundy was, like, a bad character, but I, I kind of recall now, too, he's sort of, like, this misunderstood simpleton that, like, 
in this story particular, <clears throat> Batman doesn't want to fight him. He just sort of wants to uh, largely just leave him alone because the sewers are his domain. But mm-hmm. like he's sort of like he's almost feels um, pity or or like he feels kind of sad for Solomon Grundy. So I'd like to I might I was like reading that part. I'm like, oh, I should read into Solomon Grundy again. And, like, I don't know, try to find a really good story about him, figure out mm-hmm. like what's his deal. Yeah, but yeah. Well, so there's, um, there's the Solomon Grundy Batman in Death Metal. <laughs> there is. Oh, right, yeah. you're right. There's a Solomon Grundy. Right, that's right too. Yeah. So there you go. Um, yeah. So I'm reading it again. Um, I don't know if I have the books that preceded it. I think I do somewhere in my collection, um, but I, I didn't read them. And I've been told just through like chats and stuff like you don't really need to know those stories it was sort of like that was jeff Loeb and tim sale working together having fun and then this was like their serious collaboration to like write a serious story that can that largely actually became batman canon like people still reference so one thing a lot of people or one thing i know about this comic is it was when it was originally uh pitched to dc they wanted it to be uh a complete like they wanted it to be a, a, a continuity and uh, DC said like this is stories too big uh, to make to, to, to do its own continuity so they kind of they wanted it to be its own standalone that's still Sorry. tied in yeah, yeah. well and, and the thing is too is like it spurred because after the long Halloween came, came out uh, they worked together for another, I think it was a 13 issue um, story called the dark victory. And then that, like that spins off into Robin year one, which they didn't do. Uh, and it was another creative team. I don't know the offhand who it was, but there's another creative team that did Robin year two, because dark victory is when they introduced their version of Robin. And then uh, Jeff Loeb and team sale did a third part called Catwoman when in Rome, which takes place during some of the events of dark victory um, and she, she leaves. So, or maybe, maybe it takes place during long Halloween. Anyway, I'd does have she to have the, does she have the iconic uh, long Halloween costume in that one as well. Uh, in the when in Rome. Yeah. I, I think she did. I always confused her, the Catwoman when in Rome with uh, Darwin cooks um, Catwoman story that he did. Oh Yeah. Uh, like, see, those two stories are also connected. I think Darwin Cook did um, something connected to to Win in Rome because Slam Bradley, I think, is in it. But um, yeah, I sometimes like and mentally, again, I'm confused, which is weird because there are two different artists. But I seem to recall the scenes in different artists' portrayal. So yeah, yeah we're not talking about them just yet. We're going to talk yeah. about Long Halloween. Um, I think for me. What I part of the reason why I was like, oh, I guess I should read this story again because it's been getting a lot of uh, comparison, or the the new trailer that came out from the, the Batman movie is getting a lot of comparison to this story. Um, one of the like last episode, I think we talked about the bat, like talked about the trailer and talked about how like you know this is this cool version of Batman, and there's been some complaints that like previous Batman movies don't seem to really focus on the detective aspect of the Batman character. Like it, mm-hmm. like it's especially, well, a little bit in the Tim Burton ones, but it's more just like, he's like putting stuff through his computer and it kind of just figures it out for him. Like he's, yeah. he's piecing it together, but like he sort of like uses his computers and stuff to trace stuff back. Whereas, yeah. um, and then the Chris Nolan Batman, we won't even get into the Schumacher Batman because that's just like almost Adam West's like hijinks. But the the Christopher Nolan Batman was like more just like he just beat the crap out of people to get information and he would just intimidate them and scare them. Where like this this new one looks like it could be similar, but I'm I'm kind of hoping that they're going to go in this route of um like having him also do detective work like. Yeah, you know, trace trace fingerprints, like look at the Riddler's clues and try to figure out what he's talking about, and like have have him going through the mental space of like figuring out what Riddler's next strike is going to be. Yeah, so we'll take see. back. 
brute force that they tend to always portray him nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the thing really is, see- like you can you can see with with uh, Robert Pattinson, like he's not this like jacked up, like he's not like Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck put on all this muscle weight to play Batman. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Robert Pattinson looks like he's more the sleek young Batman that's just figuring it out, which I'm excited about. That's my probably my favorite Batman. Yeah, yeah. The, he, Robert Pattinson's year one Batman. Uh, ben Affleck is like Dark Knight's Batman. Yeah, Dark Knight Returns kind of Batman. Yeah. Yeah. Bulky and brooding, and and then Michael Keaton's gonna play old Batman. Yes. Well, he's playing old Batman. Rumored is he's the old Batman in the Flash movie. Yeah, Flashpoint. Yeah, which I'm super excited for because the rumors going around for that movie. Uh, exciting. Yeah. So yeah, I I sort of was like you know thinking about the the trailer and i was like oh i should read this book again and it's been really cool because i forgot how like i remember when i first read it as a kid like when colton and i would read our uncle frank's books i think uncle frank had some copies of it or a portion of it or whatever and i was like just it was just batman so that's all i cared about was just batman i don't even know if i really read it i kind of just perused it um read the words but it was really just all about you know when's batman gonna kick or punch or you know, that kind of stuff and reading Mm -hmm. it again as like an adult reader, I've kind of noticed like, Holy crap. Like one, the art is amazing. I love looking at the line work, which is something I didn't really do when I was a kid, but also like the story is really well thought out and like the characters are really well uh, formulated and, you know, they each have their own reasons. Like um, Carmen Falcone, who's probably one of the major, characters in the story so far i've only i've only actually like read half of it but i know the story kind of know how it ends but uh carmen falcone i I, like i forgot that he was wasn't just this crime boss like there's there's a story going on with him too he's kind of like dealing with losing power and and trying to keep whatever power he has left from other families and from batman like batman's thrown a wrench since year one which this is sort of like a sequel to like Batman's on a wrench, and so now all the mob families are trying to scramble for the power and take up vacuums. So Bat- I think in year one, Batman takes out someone, one of the crime families, and so now they're all scrambling. So it's really cool mm-hmm. to read it and kind of go, wow, this is so much deeper than I thought it was as a kid. And, you know, just wasn't mature enough to notice it. Yeah. I feel like a lot of, of Uncle Frank's comics were like that. Yeah, I almost like I'm thinking I should probably just go back and read some of the, the single issues that he had and just sort of like read them from a grown person's mind. Because that's that's probably the way he would have read them because he was collecting mm-hmm. um, as, you know, probably around our like, age. Uh, yeah. Our age or older even. <clears throat> no, I would say our age. He was probably around 30 yeah. when he was getting them. So, yeah. yeah, it'd be interesting to read them again and kind of see him through those eyes. Um, but yeah, uh, and then also too, I found out this out for Wikipedia. Apparently, Mark Wade, um, who I've talked about in this podcast before, he wrote he's he wrote my favorite Captain America story arc. Um, apparently, like he was the one that suggested that Loeb expand on Harvey Dent's um, time before becoming Two Face. So, like this book is probably one of the first stories that actually talk about. Harvey Dent before he becomes Two-Face. So again, it goes back to the character or character um, the character arc and Two-Face as a character. You start to relate to him as a person instead of just this crazy guy crazy about two. The number two. Yeah. Like when Chris Nolan was uh, like for that Batman uh, Dark Knight series of movies uh, it was a uh, Long the Long Halloween was one of his main uh, inspirations for the uh, the Dark Knight uh, movie with Two Face in it and Joker, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and that was cool too because I never, I guess, connected that. Obviously, because I, mm. I, when I first read this Long Halloween, I I didn't like really pay attention to it. So when I saw the Dark Knight, 
I just thought it was just a Batman story. But um, I think it would probably be easily said is like Batman Begins is year one. Uh, the Dark Knight is Long Halloween. Um, and then The Dark Knight Rises, what I would almost say like it was sort of like a nightfall. nightfall. Yeah, it was definitely a nightfall. But there's other traces of like, um, what was the other story people connected to? I would probably hear it's probably just Nightfall. It's Nightfall and Son of the Bat or Bride of the Bat. Yeah. That was the story that kind of introduced uh, the concept of not uh, Tali al Ghul having his child and like, you know, their mm-hmm. little love tryst that they had. So, yeah, yeah. it's cool to. Dam- was Damien a thing in the comics when that movie came out? Damien, yeah, yeah Damien yeah. was a thing because everyone, everyone, when the movie came out and they knew that Talia Ghul was going to be in it, they everyone, including myself, I was like, wouldn't it be freaking cool that like she at some point in the movie says, "Well, Bruce, I'm pregnant," and like, mm. but you know, they kind of took a different path, and I think she died in the end of Dark Knight Rises, so that was like, oh, that's not mm. happening, but. Um, and then everyone knows the famous like um, some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which like I'm glad I'm not the only one who noticed that. I remember I think I was probably watched it with you. I remember watching the movie and going, "This is this is totally ripped off from Adam West Batman." Like the scene yeah. from the the Adam West Batman movie where he's trying to get rid of a bomb, and he, I think he ends up throwing it in the water or something, doesn't he? He does, yeah. Yeah, which is totally exactly he, what they did. Yeah. Here. Yeah. You can't throw it back in the city. You can't throw it a bunch of little ducklings. You can't throw it where there's some nuns. So, like, he ends up throwing it in the water or something. So, yeah. yeah, that was funny. I thought that was funny. I should watch those movies again, actually. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, other than that... uh it it was reading this book has been really like I'm almost like like I mentioned before I, I want to go back and start reading these old Batman stories because we've you and I have gotten to this point you especially probably more so than me now I've gotten to this point where like the Scott Snyder Greg Capullo has become the mythos and like everything coming out now is is connected back to that that mythos. And like mm-hmm. reading the long Halloween, I kind of realized, oh, there was a mythos before this one. There was a whole other set, and just like that, there was another set before that, where you get into like the, um, uh, oh shoot, like I can't name different artists from time before that, but like you know, you go back to Bill Finger and Bob Kane, yeah, the beginning, and then you get into, um, oh, I can't think of the artist. Uh, um, um... Neil Adams. Neil Adams. That's who I'm thinking of. Yeah. <laughs> Neil Adams and, and Joe Kubert when they were doing their Batman stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But I've always, Tim said, I've always loved Tim Sales art. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. It's very, it's really, uh, very well, unique. well, it's, it's unique. Yeah. And it's very avant garde kind of like, uh, he has a really cool pen style and art style. Um, how his brush strokes and how he displays emotion and and movement has always been like almost like yeah. a fine art painting. Yeah, like he did this amazing cover art for um for that run of uh, Batman the Shadow that was written by uh, Steve Orlando and Scott Snyder actually. Segue into what I'll be talking about later, and then the arts I think. He did. Tim Sale did most of the cover art for that that series, but uh, your buddy, um, actually Riley uh, Rosmo, did. The I would I wouldn't call him a buddy. A guy. I would a guy. Uh, well, I, you know, yeah, yeah. Someone you you I've, knew. Someone I know. Yeah, Riley yeah. Rosmo. Yeah. More than I know. Yeah. But yeah, he did the art on that one. But yeah. I actually have that's and then I got that cover signed by Tim Sale. Really. You yeah. met Tim Sale? Yeah, yeah, when? he signed uh, three of my comics. This oh, cool. was the year that I did. I'm pretty sure this is the same year I did that panel and autograph session with Greg Capullo and Scott Snyder. Oh, 
cool. So they, they sort of had a who's who of Batman. Like, yeah. And what my original plan was like, for, so I had that cover. So originally I was going to get Steve Orlando cause he was there as well that year. And he did sign my com that comic. So I, it's signed by Steve Orlando and uh, Tim Sale. And then I was going to get it signed by Scott Snyder, but they had like a, a limited amount of comics you could get signed by him. So I had to make a tough choice. Uh, right. Another day, because I more than likely will get more autographs from Scott Snyder in the future. But, uh, as long as they open up conventions again. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. Unfortunately, just cancel the one I was supposed to go to. Yeah. Yeah. That's another great story. I should maybe think about talking about that in the future. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So um so let's give our uh viewers um a little synopsis of what uh this comic uh the long Halloween was about though. Yeah, so basically what it's about, um like I said, it's a sequel to year one. So year one very quick recap. It's the beginning of Batman. It's Batman coming back to Gotham City, um, taking out the mob families that were responsible for his parents' death. And that's that's pretty much year one. So this story takes up. Um, it's been a few years after that. There is no Robin yet. Um, he's still sort of like a lone, dark detective. Um, but what's ended up happening was um, with the vacuum of power, that Batman scrambled up with the mob families. There's families sort of battling each other. There's the Falcones and the Moronis and their, their rival uh, families in Gotham. So um, Carmen Falcone, the, or they call him the Roman is his name. He has this wedding for his nephew. And then like his nephew uh, goes on the honeymoon, but then gets killed uh, when he comes back <clears throat> and they're like, trying to figure out but the th- weird thing is is he gets killed on halloween night so they're just like okay well the, you know we need to find out who killed him uh falcone thinks it might have been his sister but his sister is like the mother of this nephew that got killed so it's kind of like why would she do that other than to stir up a mob war um and then thanksgiving happens and they uh blow up harvey dent's house with his him and his wife um, they survive. She sustained some injuries, but for, I, I never actually find out how he survived because like he comes out unscathed, but anyway, um, so they tried to, it was an attempted murder, but Batman, Harvey Dent and Commissioner Gordon try to like convince the mob families that Harvey was killed until they can get more evidence as to who did it. <clears throat> so, um, so that happens Thanksgiving and then Christmas, um, Another death happens. I think it's just um, um, one of Falcone's men. So Falcone starts to think that like it's one of the Moroni families that are doing this because there's nobody from the Moroni family getting killed. Um, so it kind of it's going through. And I've, the last chapter I read was uh, New Year's New Year's Eve, and the Joker in his demented. Uh, vacation is basically told Falcone that if you don't catch who this holiday killer is um, because there's, this town isn't big enough to, for two homicidal maniacs I'll start killing people until you find out who it is because I don't want this guy in my town anymore so it's like this screwed up because like Joker's essentially trying to stop this killer as much as Batman is but he's just doing it in his own Joker way of like well if I kill a bunch of people I'll, I'll, chances are I'll get the holiday killer and then I've saved the town because I, I killed mm-hmm. yeah like but Batman's like you'd be killing a whole bunch of people like oh well at least I, yeah, and Joker's like well you know I would I would I, I'd get the holiday killer I'd stop him wouldn't I and he's like you're insane and the Joker says this really funny lines like you're just noticing now like <laughs> yeah <laughs> So I just picture I just picture Kevin Connery going, "You're insane," and then Mark Hamill going, "You're just noticing now." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the other cool thing too. Is like, um, it took me back reading this book. Took me back to watching the animated series because, like, the new Batman comics, like the Great Capullo's Steve Snyder universe or the New Fifty Two, whatever you want to call it, it's it's more tactical. It's more like 
serious and a little bit darker, a little bit more, um, I guess tactical, I guess is the only word I can think of. It's more paramilitary. Whereas this reading this like took me back to watching that cartoon and just like, you know, you have the like the kicking and the flipping, um, not so much the pow, but like, if anyone who's ever seen the cartoon and grew up with it, you, you can kind of understand what I'm trying to get at is like, it was just this noir cartoon of, of Batman, like high kicking and the crazy hijinks and the crazy characters and their weird messed up criminal schemes and stuff. Um, and then, you know, as time goes on, it's become more paramilitary and it's more about, um, you know, scaring people than, than being, outrageous and yeah. whimsical so. yeah always the you know a well well planned execution missions and uh. yeah well and that i guess that yeah that's a good way to put it too like the new comics is like you can tell these villains have planned everything out to like the the minute detail whereas in the cartoons they planned it out but you don't really notice how well they planned it out because they're kind of just being these zany cartoon characters um just you know doing yeah. weird crimes um which brings me to like thinking about the trailer that's coming out is like, I haven't been able to see the Riddler being the Riddler. This could be a completely different Riddler. And people have actually said this could change the image of Riddler or of, sorry, of Riddler, like the way Heath Ledger's Joker did change the image of Joker. Like it's going to bring this new dynamic to what the Riddler could be other than some guy that bases everything off of a riddle instead of, yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm very I'm very excited to see what happens, um, but yeah, essentially that's as far as I got with uh, the long Halloween. I'm going to continue reading it, but um, I think essentially what ends up happening is you find out who the holiday killer is. The um, you know as the holidays go on, they're going to connect more and more, and I don't want to spoil anything. I know who did it because I remember, but um, mm-hmm. I'd suggest you guys out there go out, pick up a copy of long Halloween trade paperback and read it. Cause it's even on its own, like you don't even have to read the long or the year one or anything after it's a good Batman story, especially if you like loved the animated series. It's it, the colors and the characters and everything. It's, it's like reading a, a Batman animated story. I think yeah. actually, I think Jeff Loeb even was like wrote some episodes of the series. So with Paul Dini. So, like Paul Dini wrote some and he wrote some. So yeah, yeah I would check it out. Yeah. 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 There's a reason why it's still, I think we're like one of the top 25 best Batman stories to this day. Like to this day, it still holds up. Yeah, for sure. It's a, it's a highly, I highly recommend anyone to, excuse me, get it and read it. Cause yeah, it is a very iconic uh, graphic novel uh, you know yeah and it's one of the not i don't think first times they introduced the character but he's he's the first time that he played a a major role in the comics and that's calendar man oh yeah another reason yeah that's right too yeah that was one of the first because calendar man before that was just sort of a throwaway joke character yeah yeah that's right too i forgot about that they they do. I have read the part where they introduce them, but like it's weird too. And I'll just quickly say this is like we didn't grow up with these comics, so um, there was I, I was watching an interesting, an interesting documentary about um, uh, Quentin Tarantino, and he was saying how like he has fans that grew up with him, like so they've they watched his early stuff and then. Like, you know, they kind of just watched his stuff as it came out. And then there's a whole other set of fans who just were born and he, and he was already in the world. And I compare it a lot with, like, reading these Batman comics. It's like, we just were born and we started reading all these comics from across history. And we continued reading on, you know, when we caught up. So, what, like, reading this book, things like Counter Man it doesn't register that like, Oh my God, this is the first time they've used him as a serious character because we've just always known about the long Halloween and we've just always known about yeah. the man. Whereas like, you know, yeah. to people like our uncle Frank, he probably read the long Halloween and was like, Oh, I remember this character when I was a kid, like this guy 
was just some stupid villain and now they're using him as this like serious almost like Hannibal Lecter the way they treat him in the story like he's like this he's behind this glass bulletproof glass and he's just sort of like has calendar um, notes all over his room because he's you know crazy about calendars obsessed obsessed with calendars so it's cool to see him in that sense and but yeah you're right you have to remember like before this the last time we saw him was probably like the late 40s early 50s so yeah. and that's yeah. kind of how i read it too is like i always got the impression that he calendar man is trying he's helping batman figure out who this killer is because he's trying to prove to batman that he's not just like this b-lister yeah. villain like he's yeah. he's actually knows something batman doesn't know yeah yeah it's, it's a cool cool comic yeah so, uh, shall we head over to yours? Move on. Move on. Sure, sure. Sounds good. Um, we're at the halfway point, so we're, we are at the halfway point. Good point. All right. So this week, I'm going to be talking about a a a, a, sh- a story written by Scott Snyder, and the art's done by Sean Murphy. And as everyone knows, Scott Snyder is part of my all-time favorite DC writers at the moment. He's the one writing death metal. And um, Sean Murphy, as our listeners probably know, another big-time favorite artist of mine who did the uh, Batman White Knight. Um, so, yeah, so this comic, my brother, you, introduced me to. Mm-hmm. So uh, you gave me a copy for my birthday. So I was able to finally read it and... Uh, I'll just give a quick little synopsis um, of what it's about. So it kind of, it's one of those comics when it came out, it came out, I believe it's four parts. Um, and the first part of the, the, the story starts with a marine bio- biologist by the name of Lee Archer, who uh, is approached by, you know, the Department of Homeland Security to do research on a new threat that they've discovered. The clients are obviously they, you know, this that she goes, um, you know, so she eventually does agree to it. They take her to the secret lab in the Arctic Circle, which is like actually like thousands of leagues under the sea. And she's brought to finally face this new threat, and it's mermaids. Like they call them the mers. Um, so, you know, they want to try and figure out, well, like, who, are the, what are these creatures? Where do they come from? What are they doing? Like, why are they here? Why are they disrupting, and, you know, oil rigs and stuff? And, you know, the big, like, I think you mentioned it, and it does play, when you first read it, I you get the impression that this is what they come from. So, like, the, 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 the the novel kind of hints towards this whole like aquatic ape theory. Yeah. So for our listeners who don't know who that, what that is, it's this theory that us Homo sapiens, long before we evolved to you know what we are now, our speech our species split off. You know half half of them decided to stay on land, and you know you know live you know and that's where we you know developed well the like the theory kind of like stems off of like we all started as primates but then part of the reason why like if you look at your hand like we have we have a little bit of flesh between our fingers and yeah well our the fact that we walk upright like there's if you go on discovery channel there's like I was obsessed about this for a while. Part of the reason why I love this story so much um, was because like um, chimpanzees and gorillas, their all their body fat is around their organs. It's not around their whole body like we have. Um, yeah. But another mammal that does have fat all around its body are whales and belugas and yeah. dolphins. So the theory kind of stems from the fact that at one point as primates, we were um, forced for either for food or for shelter or to get away from something that was happening on land, we went into the water. And um, another part of the theory stems into the fact that like brain 
we uh, ate shellfish. We ate shellfish, which is high in omega three, which developed their brains faster, and we started developing tools with that omega three enrichment. This yeah. is all just a theory. This isn't fact, but um, no, this is. But yeah, and then as we're in the water, our leg muscles started to strengthen because we would st- we would stand upright. We would f- kind of float in the water with our hands up, but our legs were walking on the on the uh, water's ground. Yeah. So that can like I did some research too and like that's the apparently like where some people believe we like why we can hold our breath for so long. Yeah. If you look at a lot of primates, they don't have that ability to yeah. to hold your breath. Yeah. Or the like the fact like they with the when I was looking into it, you know, why we have such long defined legs, which yeah. is not something that primarily would be seen in primates. Yeah, they have shorter but, legs. But Water. makes sense from an aquatic aquatic stance because it it makes more sense for swimming. Yeah, it is a very interesting theory, and I and that this reading this comic did force me to look into it. So yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, uh, work. It's very well written comic, uh, as Scott Snyder tends to always do. He puts so much thought into his comics that something mentioned in part one is 100% going to lead to something mentioned in part two, like, yeah. you know, in the last part. Yeah, um, definitely. So, obviously, they, they uh, this Lee Archer girl um, uh, helps them do some research using, you know, some cool aspects of these, these MERS, as they call them. Like, you know, they release these chemicals that cause you to hallucinate. Uh, that way, they can easily stalk and kill you. Well, um, which is kind of a cool aspect. Don't they connect that too with like the uh, the mermaid uh, legends of 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 sailors? Is the sirens? Yeah, they call it the the raindrop theory. So like these little stories have then caused. It's like the whole like how they believe vampires came to be the story of vampires. How it originated from when you got buried sometimes your gums would recede so that your teeth would show more yeah and the polish started the the polish culture took that on as like this they're they're, they're coming back from the grave and they become so then they would bury them and then put these steel cages around them so they couldn't escape that's also the whole reason why you know bells that they put bells sometimes that was also because Originally, they buried bells because sometimes they would bury people alive by accident. But then that also led that little thing led to added to the lure of vampires, cause, you know. And so, anyways, the the raindrop theory. So yeah, they talk about how you know it it sirens in like uh, what's that iconic story? Oh, Creeps, the Odyssey. Uh, the Odyssey. Oh. Which makes sense in the comic. So, um, yeah, and then uh, obviously they do some research. They end up. I don't want to give too much away because I want people to read it. So they end up. Obviously, they get stranded on this ship that's under sea, and it kind of fades to black with this Lee Archer stranded in the bottom of the ocean once their ships have been destroyed by these mer people. So then, when part two picks up, there's now two hundred years in the future. And the world has now been since flooded because once these more people uh, were provoked, they basically brought warm water to uh, the um, the poles of the earth and therefore melting the ice and, and flooding the earth. So most of the continent are flooded for the most part. There's still some land in the middle of North America yeah. this comic takes place. In, but there's a map in the comic that shows you just how drastic this flooding is. So this new character who goes by the name Leeward, which is I think a kind of cool connection in the sense that name is close to the original name for the first part. But anyways, this Leeward girl, uh, her thing is she hunts mares, so she decapitates them, and that's how she gets her money. So, but she's actually. She's looking for a part to listen to radio because she believes there's something out there. And that's when you get introduced to this, this bad government group of people and this governess. Uh, and they, are, they go by the name of the arm. And they're basically the new 
American government controlling the information coming in and out of the con- the continent. And then, so she gets, obviously tries to get arrested uh, because she's acquired this forbidden radio piece where she's heard this message from, she then hears Lee Archer um, and she, it's these coordinates, like she, she gets coordinates of the signal. She tracks down where the signal's coming from because she thinks there's, there's more going on. Uh, like I said, she ends up getting chased has a confrontation with the arm. Uh, she then gets involved with uh, this group of, of um, terrorists, as the arm calls them, kind of called outliers, which most people conceive them as just like mutant, you know, hicks who, uh, you know, have sex with more people. <laughs> like they're just, that's what they're, what they've been broadcast to the rest of the world. But in my opinion, they're more like pirates. Yeah. Um, she gets involved with them to help because I think eventually realizes that they're not what the government has perceived them as and they're they're just they're also trying to figure out the history of these people like they're trying to seek the truth as well and also help and figure out a way to stop them so that humans don't end up being brought to extinction so there's this long uh, you know there's you know, they they go through adventures throughout the world. They meet interesting characters. Like, you know, there's this group of people who, uh, when they're kids, they automatically get put into exoskeletons so that they uh, they never grow. And they meet, they meet a bunch of court characters in this uh, story. You know, there's, um, there's a lot of cool things. But my favorite thing is when you actually find out the truth of the Murrs. Um, I think there, Scott Snyder, the way he wrote it, it it definitely gets you. It makes you think. So I'm going to ruin it because it's been out for a while. So anyway, I'm going to just say it. <laughs> so the mirror people, the way Scott Snyder's written it is, we came from space. Homo sapiens came from space. You know, a ship landed on Earth planted a seed and that seed you know caused us to evolve to who we are now and these mer people were originally on this earth they're the original yeah they're the original and it wasn't uh like leeward kind of says like it's not ever proved if us come and force them deeper into the ocean or if they just knew they sensed something was coming so they drove themselves and then uh, there's this cool thing about crying uh, that's kind of a cool aspect to the comic, um, which I really enjoyed, actually. Like this premise that the reason we cry is because the chemical released when you cry causes you to forget. It's um, Which I think is true, right? Yeah. It does release chemical, causes you to, to forget because also you're going through sorrow. Um, so their premise is, is we, we've acquired this skill, this not skill, but this, this trait of crying because each gen, like when we first came and, and caused this genocide of these people, we would then throughout the generation. So birth after birth, we'd slowly cry and forget about it until the mirrors would come back to earth you know, try and destroy us again. And just constantly, we were constantly trying to forget this, this travesty we had committed. Yeah, the original sin. Yeah. Yeah. The mirrors were constantly trying to remind us of us, yeah. of this sin. Yeah. So and a, a, a select amount of people, a select doctor locks himself away in a cage and basically burns that, part of him out and I think that's where Leeward gets her trait because in the comics you learn that she physically cry yeah so I think she's a descendant I think that's what it is it's one of those comics I I almost have to reread because I think I missed some stuff yeah it's very deep yeah like it's definitely not a it's like I think that's too it's like when you got it for me you're like have you read it yet have you read it yet? And I was like, no, because I'm like, when you read it, you almost have to like read each part 
and then kind of like reread it, like skim through it and like kind of look for things you miss. Yeah. But yeah, so it's very well written. Uh, uh, Sean Murphy obviously does amazing artwork. Um, I think his cover art he does and, and his his um, layouts of how he does his comics are, are very well executed. Um, it, it flows quite well. Um, but yeah, it's it's it's. I highly recommend anyone to eat, uh, to, to grab a copy of this comic. Like I'm so glad you uh, introduced it to me because the, the the character designs are amazing. Uh, yeah, it's just very well written comic. Well, and the thing is too is like I've always also been a huge fan of Scott Snyder, but it's like. Batman's just one of the few things that I love. So I love The Wake. I love this book, The Wake. But there's, um, he did a, he started a, a story called American Vampires with uh, Stephen King. And then he w- sort of took it off on his own. And like American Vampires is probably one of the, one of my favorite vampire stories. And I don't even really like vampires, or I didn't then. I'm starting to sort of get into them now, but in a different sense. Uh, but the, yeah, he wrote this story called American Vampires, which goes through the whole history of vampires, not only in America, but like in Europe, in Asia, in like prehistoric times. Um, he wrote another story called Severed, which is like a really good horror story, horror comic. Um, what else? Like Scott Snyder's written so many cool things. It's it's actually you know it's pretty amazing. He's right up there as far as yeah. I'm concerned. He's like right up there with like Rick Remender with just having all these different stories that are not all connected. They're just different perspectives on popular culture that we all enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. No. And like his, his current run on death metal is. It's fun. Great. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah, like there's one. So like I like I mentioned earlier, like uh, so Tim Sale did the cover art of that um, Batman in the Shadow six mini. I think it's six. There's only six issues, but like his uh, the the story in that one uh, that uh, he wrote with Steve Orlando. Personally, I think the character in that like there's a character they kind of glimpse over in that storyline that I think needs to be brought into Death Metal. Um, strictly because I think a I personally I think he is going to introduce him because the character I think is so good that it it just it needs to be brought into death metal and that's so if anyone oh I'm going to talk about maybe in a couple weeks because I think just talking about it now has re-piqued my interest to rereading the story but uh in the Batman the Shadow, there's a point where Batman is is given the choice to uh, either come back and just live his normal life, or he can come back as a shadow. So for anyone who knows, the Shadow is this uh, character that was um, actually, cool little fact, was introduced on my birthday in the 1930s. But he was a vigilante that was first introduced i think on radio wasn't it yeah it was a radio show yeah. i think it was pulp it was pulp but it was also a radio show yeah but yeah it was but that was i remember as a cool fact is like yeah, it was first first uh released on my birthday in 1930 which is crazy i think so anyways he gets premise like you can come back as a shadow for anyone who knows shadows and then immortal uh being who um basically his job is to punish the evils of the world and uh i just think personally because scott snyder wrote on that story it needs to be brought into death metal like that character because batman obviously doesn't choose the shadow life but i think that character if 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 Scott Snyder doesn't or isn't already planning on bringing him into death metal well it could be a licensing thing too yeah maybe cuz like i don't think i think dynamite still has the 
um, license. For yeah, show. yeah, because it gets licensed out. Because he's one of the few heroes that, who's done stories with not only DC, but he's also, I believe, done stories with Marvel. The Shadow, the show in, yeah. Uh, maybe I don't know. Actually, now that I think about it, yeah, I think he, I, I'm pretty sure he's done. I'm pretty sure he's done tie-in stories with like. I don't know. I'd have to look it up. But yeah, anyways, that's enough of a tangent about Scott Snyder. Um, but yeah, that's yeah, that's what I read this week. And you enjoyed it? Yeah, it's it's uh, highly recommend it. And if you like that, you like Batman, and you you really think that you like the writing style. I would definitely suggest you read uh, American Vampire. Yeah, I I, I was um, looking into it. Yeah, because the cool thing about American Vampire is it, um, in the sense that the way it goes into like the science of evolution, um, American Vampire goes into a history of of you know the United States, but like the history of sort of North America as well. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, if you if you like. That kind of stuff, I would definitely uh, check out American Vampire. Hmm, for sure. Who does the art for that? Uh, Raphael Albuquerque. Albuquerque. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but I think there's a storyline that Sean Murphy does too. Um, there's like a Nazi America story that he does, stand, like sort of like a spin off American Vampire. Oh, like standalone. Yeah, it's a standalone that takes place during. Nazi Germany, World War Two, hmm. which I've never read, but I should probably pick up and read. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting my comic this this week. Tim might actually have a copy. He might. Yeah, a lot of novels that he's trying to sell. What's that? that he's got a lot of novels that he's. he's oh trying yeah, to- trying to get rid of. Yeah, and I'm excited to pick up um, Three Jokers. Right, how's that going? I don't know. I haven't got it. I, uh, sure. I don't have any issues yet. Mm. I'm very interested because you were telling us before, you're saying that it's the premise that there's actually three Jokers running yeah. around and not just one. Well, it's this premise that the Jokers we've we've grown to know throughout most of like iconic representations of the Joker have actually been three different Jokers. So like from what I understand, like Killing Joke, the Killing Joke Joker is one. Um, the shit. I have to look at the photo. Like just when just by looking at the photo of the covers, you can you can just tell which jokers they're trying to portray. So like there's there's the killing joke. The killing joke. joke. Yeah, then one I think is based off of um Lee um Benja I I can never pronounce his last name. Lee Bajero? Yeah. I think one of them is based off of his character and then one is um I would just kind of sum it up as being like your 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 standard like almost a, a mixture of like um, animated series, kind of more lighthearted Joker. Like yeah. before, Joker was this murdering, homo- like murdering, homicidal maniac. Yeah, maniac. He was more just a, a a criminal who used comedy as his his theme. You know, he robbed banks, and that was about it. So yeah, so it's this premise that these jokers have have throughout these ages have have plagued Batman for a reason. Like there's a reason why they, and it's this search of who was the original Joker. Kind of is the the premise of this thing is too is like well, who was the first? Like who started this? And I want to read it because it's like now it brings up this whole this whole storyline of like, well, which Joker was the one that killed? Jason Todd, or you know, which which if, yeah, which uh, one did this one, or you know, 
you know, which one shot, you know, well, obviously we know the killing joke, Batman, I mean, killing joke, joke is the one like, you know, shot Barbara, but you know, like it's just, a, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I don't really know too much of, of what's going on in it, but it's, it's definitely, uh, uh, a big one it's well it's been talked about within the, the the dc universe for years now i say like i'd say least i've known about it for the last two years i'd say that that the storyline first was introduced like it was a rumor yeah you're, was, you've been talking about it for a while yeah it's been about two years i think they've had this story kind of in the back burner but yeah so i'm interested to get a copy of that Looks pretty good. It does. But I haven't been home in, I don't know, a while now. So I'm excited. I'm running out of comics to read. Yeah, me too. I have caught up with all my stuff. So I've, I've started rereading stuff again. Mm-hmm. Well, we should probably wrap this up. Sounds good. Because um, I'm getting hungry. Yeah, I think uh, I think my uh, significant other wants to go for a walk. So <laughs> we should get yeah. to it then. Okay, thanks everyone for tuning into issue number nine of Two Beards, One Comic. Hope you enjoyed us discussing Batman: The Long Halloween by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale, and. The Wake by um, Sean Murphy and Scott Snyder. Tune in next time. Same bearded time. Same bearded channel. All right. Goodbye, guys. Bye. And that concludes issue number nine of Two Beards, One Comic.